Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. But this time of year, I love the, the decorations and the color and the merriment, and everyone just seems to try a little harder this time of year to put a smile on their face and greet one another and uh, just have some of that joy of the Lord, if you will, and, and be willing to share that and have that overflow in their life. And so this morning, I just, the joy of the Lord is my strength, and I'm, you know, like, oh, yeah, Lord, <laughs> you know, not acting very strong in the moment. Um, but that's, that's just who I am. Not, and I know when the Lord moves in my life, I just cry. I just cry. I'm a crier. Um, I'm sure there's a 12-step program for that, too, but I'm okay just being a crier. I'm, I'm comfortable in my own skin with that, and, uh, and I thank the Lord that he moves and he touches our hearts. Um, what a thing it is to, you know, everyone's on this journey in their life, um, and, and you may not be, um, I'm reminded of the, 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 uh, the lyric in the song talks about in the morning, right, and it talks about in the evening. And you can think about that being a day, but that is often um, a reflection of the morning being the youthful years of your life and the evening being those, we'll say, more seasoned years in your life. (laughs) Yeah, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. (laughs) But the Lord is good, and we are all on this journey together. And so, so in thinking about our life's journey and that kind of stuff in this kind of time of year, I, I often think about what happened around Jesus' birth. I think that's a natural thing to do. And, um, and there was two things this week that, that, um, that I was reminded of and kind of got me stirred up, and I went one direction. I feel like the Lord has just come back to the other one um, so much that I want to share just a little bit of it. Um, if you think about Jesus' birth, here you got Mary and Joseph make this I think it's 50 miles or 70 mile trip, something like that, <clears throat> to Bethlehem. Daryl, do you mind? Can you step in there and get me water, please? Um, so they make this trip to Bethlehem. Uh, Mary is literally nine months pregnant. Like it could come like at any moment, you know? And yet they, they, they had to go on this trip and this journey. And, um, and we're not told a lot about it other than where they. <clears throat> where they end up. Um, and, and even then, we don't have a, a great description of what that is, but the, the popular opinion is that they ended up in some kind of stable, some kind of manger. And the cool thing about that is is that that very well could have been a place where they took the pregnant lambs and kept the pregnant lambs. These would be the same lambs that would give birth to the, to the baby lambs that the shepherds, the Levitical shepherds, who raised the sacrificial lambs, would have taken to the temple. So here, here the Lamb of God is being born in the same place as the sacrificial lambs were in that day. And I'd say it's just like God to make that happen. And it's just like God that the, the first ones to announce it were the shepherds that were to care for the baby lambs, you have Mary and Joseph who were the shepherds of Jesus. 
And he came to them before she was pregnant, before all of the events of the time, and said that you'll have something special. And I wonder how much, you know, they knew, right? I mean, because like day one, the shepherds are called out of the fields and come and visit them within hours of his birth. And here they find this baby, Jesus, wrapped in the same swaddling cloths that they would have wrapped the baby lambs in. Because that was what was in the manger. That was what that, that could have been used for. And I wonder if Mary and Joseph ever realized, surely at some point in their life they realized just how special Jesus was. Now, I don't think they could fully realize, I don't think we today fully grasp the fullness of what Jesus was and what he did. And, and, and the, the Bible even says that, that the books cannot contain everything he did. He touched that many lives. He, he, he healed that many people. He restored that many people's sight and limbs. And there's just not enough paper to capture everything that he did in those few years on the earth. And that he's done in the eternity since then. So I'm a little passionate about, about this time and this season. And I love that manger scene. Uh, and it's a little bit different than what we see on the Hallmark cards. Um, because the second group I wanted to talk about were the ones who were on the journey. And that's the, the three wise men, as we like to call it, or the wise men, or the magi. All those we can kind of use interchangeably. But that's the second group that, um, that was on my heart today. Uh, or this week, and that I was looking at, and, uh, and wow, did it speak to me. Because one, we have to recognize that we're all on this life journey, right? We're all, thank goodness we're not where we were, but we're probably not where we should be. And so we're somewhere in the middle, we're somewhere in the process of, of getting away from those things in Egypt that that held us back, those, those uh, things that had us bound, that, that sin and corruption that was in our life, and we're moving towards this righteous man of Jesus at the far end of this who we'll one day meet. And all of us are somewhere in between. So this morning, I want to read from uh, Matthew chapter 2, and I'll be reading out of the New King James Version. If you will, uh, if you'll stand for the reading of the word, let's honor God in the reading of his word by standing. you're following along in your text and you got it, say, I got it. All right. If you're watching the screen, say, I can see it. All right. Just check it. I pray you can see it. I didn't look to see if it was up there. Good job. Thank you, Nate. I'm not sure what I would have done if it wasn't up there. It's like, I can't see it. Okay. All right. Well, let's read. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born, or where the Christ was to be born. And so they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
And then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with, his, with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Thank you, Lord, and I ask that you would bless the reading of your word, Father. Bless it to the growth, Father, the bread of life into our hearts and into our minds, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So here we have the, in Matthew chapter 2 is, is the um, only narrative of the, the three wise men in the Gospels, um, and we find this scenario where, where these men have come from afar um, because they saw a sign. They saw a sign in the stars, and we're not told how they came to the conclusion. We're not told where the wisdom come from, but they knew this star was heralding in a young new ruler. And so they came on a search from the east, and, and we're not told where they came from exactly. Uh, we're not told what country they came from. We're not told their names. Uh, there have been many uh, people through the years that have claimed outside non-biblical sources to say these were the men and these were their names. And, and as a matter of fact, we even have their bones over here. Um, and there's a lot of theories that came up around that, uh, many of them around like 1,200. So I don't know what happened to them over 1,200 years, but somehow they popped up 1,200 years later. Um, and, and became popular there. But all of that is not given in the scripture. So we, we don't know a lot about them. And, and one of the things we don't know about them is exactly how many there were. Now, the popular opinion is the three wise men. Um, and let me just tell you that three is not in your Bible. Um, it says wise men, um, and they had three types of gifts. Three types of gifts. Now, they could have had a dozen, could have been a hundred but they brought three types of gifts that were noted in your Bible. And those were the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. Now, there's even some people that suggest that they didn't come from the east, and that's a bad interpretation of what's said, and, and they couldn't get to Bethlehem, which is southeast of Jerusalem, by following the same star. I choose to think that if God can put an angel on the, in the fields for the shepherds, that he can move the stars to point you in the right direction. So these men came from the east and came to Jerusalem, Jerusalem being the capital of the Jewish nation. Um, and I, I believe they came into Jerusalem expecting to find the king, expecting that Jerusalem would be ready to receive their newborn king, that Jerusalem would recognize the signs of the time and know that a child was born who was to become king. This long-awaited Messiah that, that they had found somehow in the stars somehow escaped the wise men in Jerusalem. And I find that fascinating. But nonetheless, they came. 
And now the gifts, uh, let me back up. I missed a point here. So the gifts, the frankincense and myrrh, were common gifts out of Arabia, what's modern-day Iran and Iraq. So there's some belief that that's the direction they came from. That would be east. So what we do know is that they traveled a great distance. And they were foreigners in the land, and they came along what would have been challenging roads and, and highways where highway robbery was a daily occurrence. And so it's all very likely that this would have been some kind of caravan. And, um, and I look at that, and, and I look at our own journey, and I can't help but think about the journey that we're all on and how all of our life journeys are filled with hazards. We have all kinds of temptations that just come up on the TV between episodes in our show that, that might be edifying, that might be good, but then we learn about some kind of medical dysfunction that's got all these side effects and things that we really just are not better for knowing about. But we have temptations in our roads. We have the consequence of poor decisions. We have a world that has fallen in love with sin and deceit and lying. And somehow we have to navigate our lives through this path. And so I see their journey being a parallel to our life's journey in many ways. And many of the temptations and hazards that they would have faced have parallels today that we would face in our own lives. So these wise men knew of the Jewish prophecy. They knew of the coming Messiah, and they saw something in the stars. But it's interesting that they didn't know the scriptures, that when they showed up um, and were in Herod's council, um, and the, they brought in the scribes and the scholars of the day, it was the scribes and the scholars that said that, no, he'll be born in Bethlehem. Somehow they knew how to read the stars, but they didn't know the scriptures. And so what this tells me is that they were familiar with Jews, but they were probably not Jews. Now, you have to remember Jewish history is that you've got the 12 tribes that are scattered when they're taken over by Babylon 600 years before. I don't know what that was. They were excited. They were praising the Lord with their horn. And so they were scattered. And so the... the, the while we're not sure who they are, they're not familiar with the scriptures. And so it points us to one thing, that these are Gentiles. These are non-Jewish people. Now, if you think about the, the life and times of Jesus, so far what we know about Jesus, he was born in a manger and the shepherds came and visited him. Eight days later, he's in the temple for his circumcision and two people in the temple, I believe through the Holy Spirit, recognize him and honor and praise him for the coming king. And then we have this large blank in his history until we hear about the wise men. And it's not clear how much later they came. And there's, there's some theories around that, and there's kind of some insinuations in the scripture that it was something less than two years later. But it's interesting that, that the next people we hear about are not the Jews, are not, not the people that should be looking for him and seeking him and expecting him to come, but it's the Gentiles that come to him that look at the signs of the world. The text says the world declares his glory. And here we have these wise men who have seen the world declare his glory, and they come searching for him. And so I find it interesting there that, that here we are, the third interaction with Jesus we see from something other than, than his parents since his birth. 
is, when to, is with people who represent the Gentiles. And we know at the end of the story, they went back to where they came. And they went back with a story that said, we have seen the king of the Jews that the stars declared, that the world declared, and we have seen his glory with our own eyes. And I can't help but think that that was, that was a seed laid in the world so that when Christ would come and be in his ministry and the gospel would be declared, that there was already seeds sown into the world where people ready to receive him and help spread the good news. And the good news that Jesus was for all people. He was not reserved for the Jew, but he was reserved for all people. Isn't that amazing? All right. So the wise men show us their journey defining Jesus. And aren't we all on that same journey? So if we look at their journey, the first thing they saw was a sign. And they say that the, the heavens, the stars lined up. There was something about this star that, that they saw that they had to find out what was at the other end of it. Kind of like looking for the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but maybe just elevated just a little bit. They saw this star, and somehow they knew. Somehow they had wisdom to know that this heralded in the birth of a king. But they knew they had seen a sign, and the sign gave them direction. How many times in our life do we get a sign, do we get a word, do we get a prayer, does something strike us in the heart, and we get a direction from the Lord? We don't get a destination. We may not know what's at the end, but we get a direction from the Lord. And so here we see the same thing uh, a play out in, in Scripture here with the wise men that they got a direction. And it fascinates me that, that they, they had a direction and they kind of had an idea what to look for. It was a young ruler, a year and a half, less than two years old. They had a timeline for when the start happened. But they had to start on this journey. And so there's this time of the journey where they don't get to the end, but there's this time in the middle where they have to wait. They have to wait on this journey. They had to make preparations to go on this journey. They had to take that first step on this journey. And they were searching for a star. I mean, if you think about something, a, a star in the sky, and it just gives you direction. I, I'm convinced that if the star would have stayed in the east, they would have ended up in Europe. They would have ended up looking for a boat to take them out into the ocean. But somehow this star nested or settled over Jerusalem, and that finally gave them enough indication that this is where they were to stop. And I think sometimes in our life we get direction from the Lord, and it takes us, it takes our faith to start walking that way, not knowing where it'll lead us, not knowing what's at the end of it, not knowing how it's going to turn out. But you see these men, they, they left the comforts of where they were. The, these, were these wise men clearly had resources. They clearly were important where they were. They clearly had a, a rather comfortable life, it appears, based on the gifts they brought. And yet, because of the sign that they saw that the heavens declared, they had to pick all that up and start this journey. You know, and sometimes we can have that, that same trap. We can look at where we're at. We're okay with the Lord. We're doing our little bit of ministry. We're, we're engaged. We're plugged in. And we can fall into the trap of being comfortable. And I, for one, that makes me ill. It makes me ill because I've seen it. 
I've been in churches where the people will come, they'll be faithful, they're there every week, and they have the same problems five years later that they're dealing with right now. Because they've gotten comfortable. They've got enough God, enough Jesus, they've got close enough to the fire that they're comfortably warm and they don't want any more. And that's just not the God I serve. I think in that you can get deceived. You can get deceived into thinking you're warm and comfortable, but, but what you don't know is that if you move a little closer and you get a little hotter, things are suddenly more comfortable. And that growing closer to him doesn't make you less comfortable. You just get more on fire for him. And I believe that an unlimited God that has unlimited resources, unlimited love and compassion for us, unlimited wisdom to pour out upon us, I believe he's just good enough that he'll be faithful to pour out all those things on me if we will pursue him. So on the start of this journey, there is a season of waiting. There's a waiting with expectation. Waiting doesn't mean that you do nothing. Waiting should be a season of preparation. Because if there's a promise at the end, if the Lord has made you a promise, if he is going to deliver uh, something into your hand, if he is going to deliver goodness into your hand, if he's going to leave you with the responsibility of, of ministering to people, of loving on people, he is first going to equip you to do it. Because the last thing he wants is to put something in your hand that you are not ready for. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. We talked about ascending the mountain. And we talked about going through these valley periods, and we talked about overcoming those things. And we need to shift our mindset. It's not overcoming those things. That's a, series, uh, uh, um, a season of preparation where God is preparing us for the next trial, the next test. And so we see this season of waiting, this season of preparation that they have to go through. And the length of that season might just be dependent on how much preparation you're willing to do. If your preparation consists of, of sitting down and, and just watching, things might not change as fast. The Lord might have promised that he's going to send someone to dig a hole in your backyard, but you might need to go out and buy a shovel first. So a season of waiting and a season of preparation doesn't mean that you sit back and you wait and you watch. Yes, you need to watch. They kept their eyes on the stars. They kept their eyes on the stars so they would have that direction that they could go back to and they would know what direction they were supposed to go. They didn't, they didn't go inside their house, close the door, and wait for someone to come and knock. But they sought. They sought what to do next. And they were diligent in seeking that. So if you're in a season of waiting, if you have got a promise you're waiting on, I would say seek him. Seek him because there's a preparation that you're going through. And some of these trials and tests that might come up, these little things, these little aggravations, might just be what he's using to, to hone you down a little bit, to break off those rough edges, and to shape you and fit you and prepare you and strengthen you for what's coming. And God is not one to, to, to do something that he's not going to get glory for. He is he's not going to put a load on your back just to make you suffer. His goal is to get glory. 
His goal is to be glorified. So every test and every trial that you go through, if you can't praise God at the end of it and thank him for it, then something got off course. So diligently seek him in a season of preparation. And if that gets tough and you want to pout, if you want to get lost in in everything and you're ready to give up, You can pout or you can praise him, but you can't do both. You've got to have a made-up mind that whatever the situation comes through, that you're going to recognize that God's hand has always been on you and always will be on you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. And you've got to have a made-up mind that you are going to, every day, take another step forward. Every day, you're you're going to journey a little further on this path. And at the end of the path is Jesus. So you've got to search after him. If he sent you a sign or sent you a promise of something in the future, he is faithful to complete it. The word says that he is faithful to complete the work he started. So if he started a work in you, let me tell you, you're not done yet. Until you are like him, until you can grab that fullness of him, until you have come to that unity of faith with him where you fully know You're not done yet. He's not done with you. There's more to learn. There's more to grow. Don't get comfortable in that seat. Your job is not to warm that seat. Your job is to help grow the kingdom. Now, whether whether that's just you're really good at nurturing your babies, and they're the the future ones that are going to carry a bigger weight, or whether that means you're a teacher and it's your class, whether it's on your job and it's your coworkers, Everyone has a ministry around them. Everyone has a purpose. Now, the trick is finding out what that is, and that will change with seasons. But you have to search him out. You have to diligently search after him. And so if he has has shed light on your path, if he has given you a star, a promise in the future, then you need to pursue him. You need to search after him. You see, as these, these men, these wise men were on the journey, as they would go down the, the path, the path was not a straight line. They didn't just set a course and just straight line it right there. They had to go over mountains, through valleys, through forests, swamps, who knows what they went through. But it wasn't a straight line. And so, so when the time came, they would look back up and search the stars and go, okay, are we on the right path? Are we going the right direction? And the same thing applies in our life. We've got to take time out to search our souls, to search after him, to look at those signs and go, okay, Lord, are we, are we going the right way? Are we still on the right path? Because I guarantee that path is not a straight line. You know, he, he, the, the, the word, the, the Bible says it's a light unto our feet. A lamp unto our path, a light unto our feet. And he's only asking us to take that next step. You know, when you take the next step, you can see the next step, right? He's not saying go running off and leave the light and trip over something and and get knocked on the head and go down the wrong side or slip off the path. He's saying just take that one more step. Just take that one more step, and I'm going to light your path the whole way. Now, I think he does that for, for a couple reasons. One, so that we'll take that next step, so that we can confidently take that next step. 
But number two, I believe if we saw the mud puddle up, up here and we saw that we were going to have to swim through a swamp and we were going to have to fight some gators off, I don't know, what would you fight off in Michigan? There's no sharks. <laughs> if you're going to have to fight off some bears, <laughs> get some rabid raccoon going to come up and get you. But I believe if, if God showed you that full path, that you would stand there and go, ooh, I'm good up to like this point, but I don't want to go further than that. Because where you're standing at today, your faith is at a certain level. And that faith will carry you to that next step. And that will carry you to the next step. But if you're trying to leapfrog to the end, you're not ready. That next step is one more step up the hill. It's one more stair to climb. So that it's building, just like, just like exercise in your muscles, it's building your strength. And you're like, if I got through those last 30 steps, I can do five more, right? But if you're standing at the bottom of a 1,000 steps, you look at it and you go, uh-uh, uh-uh, you got the wrong guy. Just a quick side story. I went to, had the opportunity with my, my job to uh, travel to China, and their old... Um, Capital city is called Nanjing, um, and it's about six hours from um, Shanghai. It doesn't matter. I'm just curious fact. <laughs> Playing Trivial Pursuit later, it might come in handy. Anyway, um, it's an old city, and they have this um, uh, park area in the middle of the old city, um, and one particular area is called the Purple Mountain. Um, and at certain times of year, they have a native tree there that blossoms, and it's a purple blossom. Um, and so you can imagine in the right time of the year, the whole mountain would be purple. Um, and so it's aptly named the Purple Mountain. Um, but up at the top of that, they have a mausoleum. But to get there, it is very much the scene I described where you walk up and it is stairs. And you're like, if there wasn't like a thousand people there walking around up and down the stairs, I'd been like, yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll be right here, you know. But, um, but anyways, we had an opportunity to walk up those steps and, I, you know, and it wasn't too bad. You get up to the top, you're fine. But then when you start walking down, you realize your legs are all jelly, you know. Um, but but it, it's one of those journeys where, where I could see everything. I could see what was going to be required. I could see the elevation change to get there. And the Lord doesn't do that to us. He doesn't want to discourage us. He wants to keep us encouraged to take that next step. He wants us, I, I believe if we turn around and look and see the journey that's behind us, it's a long journey. And he's asking us to take one more step. He's asking us to move just a little bit further. So we have to pursue him. We have to endure this season of preparation and understand that it may be a long journey, but we have to diligently seek after him. But we've got to follow the light and the, and the, the direction that he's given us. And then when this season comes, when we get to the end, it says they rejoice exceedingly. I think one of the things that we can get lost in in our journey is, is understanding that there's joy along the way. There's joy along the way. I think our journey, uh, 
you know, the, the scripture, uh, it's become one of my, my favorite scriptures because I hear it, um, or I think I hear it, uh, contested a lot. Where God's standard is so high, we just can't live up to it. His standard for righteousness is so high, we can't live up to it. And uh, in 2 Peter 1.3, I think it is, says that we have everything we need to live a godly life. And it says, and how do we do that? We do that by coming to know him. And so I think there, there is a place. There, there is, if we will diligently seek after him, if we will pursue him, if we will, will come to know him and know what he wants for us, and if we can get into that communion with, with uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and we can listen to that little voice that, that's always there that we miss so often, like daily, I missed it yesterday, I'm trying to remember what it was that I missed, but it was really good and I missed it. It was a really good story, just trust me. But if we can live, if, if we can draw close to him, if we can commune with his spirit, if, if we can tune our ears, and if we can have that immediate obedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit, then we have everything we need to live a godly life. And along that, we'll have these destinations. You see, the coming to find Jesus wasn't where the story stops. See, these men went home after they had come and found Jesus. They worshipped exceedingly. They brought their gifts. They laid it at the foot of the, of the new king. And then they continued their journey and returned to where they came. And so there's going to be times in our life when, when God moves, and it's, it's, it's one of these contact points where we can say, you know, I met Jesus. We, we, had, a, we, we had a pit stop. Right? You think about the pit stop. You, you, you pull in, you stop, you stretch your legs, you get rejuvenated, you get, you get a pop out of the machine. Yeah, I said that. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, we're not from around here. It's, it's called soda up to a certain latitude, and then it becomes pop. It's a weird thing. But I'm trying to talk to y'all. I know my audience. You see what I'm saying? Uh, you're welcome. Y'all, we can have fun in the Lord. We don't have to be straight-faced and long-faced. There's joy in the Lord. But they had a chance to meet Jesus. And don't we love it when we run into Jesus? Don't we love it when we run smack into him? Isn't it a wonderful thing? And so many times, you know, we, we get the opportunity to bring Jesus to somebody. And isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a blessing to see someone who's met Jesus and, and you're like, oh, I did that? I'm just glad that I could partner with him. I'm just glad I could, I could help him get here. I'm just glad that you were able to find him and I was able to hear to, to love you and see you. But you see, these wise men, after they saw Jesus, after they spent time with Jesus, after they worshiped and adored Jesus in the most meager of settings in this little town of Bethlehem. They went back a different way. You see, it's those interactions with Jesus that change our lives. It's those interactions with Jesus. It's when we come, you know, smack in the face with Jesus that our heart is moved. When we can, when we can run into him and he impacts our lives, we leave different than we came. 
And so I think in closing here, the, the, the journey of the wise men teaches us that there's wisdom in seeking Jesus. There's wisdom in pursuing him. And while, yeah, we can, they saw a star, what we, what we get is words from people. What we get is inspiration from the gospel. And what we get is direction in our circumstances. Because God uses people. He uses people to bring a word, just like this word tonight. Tonight. I'm well ahead of myself, aren't I? This morning. It's night somewhere. But this, this might just be the word that you needed to hear today. You might be able to just relate to these wise men that are on this journey in their life, who are going down difficult roads, that have had to, to fight off the robbers, have had to fight off the evil in the world to continue on this path. And while you started strong, you might, might be a little tired today. And today might be one of those moments where you just need to, to sit back and ask God, am I going the right direction? Am I still on the path that you'd have me walk on? Is this lamp unto my feet? Am I, am I going the right direction or is the light a different direction? And maybe some of you have gotten way off that path. And the beautiful thing is, is that even though you get off that path, there's a thousand ways back. And they all lead to the same person. They all end up in the same place. You see, these wise men went into Jerusalem, and they had come from the east. And the scriptures say that, that when they went out of Jerusalem, they looked again and found the star. And the star this time was not in the east. It was in the southwest. So you see, even when you miss the mark, even when you overshoot, even when you get off that path and you're going the wrong direction, you've got only but to seek God and ask for direction. And he will lead you back to himself. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.